IntelliKey Leadership Stories with your hosts, Kirsten Gouldy and Mark Stenson. Connect with us on LinkedIn or visit our website, pureintellikey.com. Here's your host, Kirsten Gouldy and Mark Stenson. Welcome back, everyone, to IntelliKey Leadership Stories. Kirsten, it's just so good to be with you again. Here we are yet again, Mark, with another episode of IntelliKey Leadership Stories. We love these conversations about reaching your full potential, both on a you know, personal level, what is our soul's purpose, but also maybe in a business and a nonprofit and a cause kind of a way on how we reach our full potential in that area too. And our guest today is Gigi Staffney. Gigi, it's just so good to have you with us. Oh, thank you, Mark and Kirsten. Yeah, well, we're, we're all three already smiling. And so this, this is a good sign <laughs> for a good discussion to come. Gigi Staffney is a faculty member at the Women's Environmental Institute. She's also an executive director of the Green Wisdom School of Natural and Botanical Medicines. And through all of this, uh, the efforts to improve health, wellness, global sustainability, all the things about health justice, just educating us on what's right and wrong about our living in a crazy world that we are in. Gigi, I'm really looking forward to a conversation that has all those ingredients, all those levels crossing paths. We will do that during this program, I am sure. And (laughs) I, I really appreciate, Mark, that you said we're going to weave all of those parts together that's definitely the approach that I take, you know, whether it's the larger precious planet that we're talking about holistically or an individual's health. Things cannot be separated off. They must be integrated in this discussion. That's mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. And where do you find people? Do we think that there's one answer and that we forget the other components when you talk about weaving this together? Are we as people often saying, I'm looking for some magic bullet, of course, we'd all like to take some magic pill to feel better, get healthier. What else is it to our mindset in approaching our health? Well, first of all, what you said is definitely happening. It especially has in the United States with polarization or identifying it, you know, giving our power away, right? To Mm -hmm. one leader or one spiritual guru or one magic vaccine that will take care of everything. You know, like, especially in allopathic medicine, I mean, now for the last three to five years, the number of specialists in allopathic or conventional medicine is greater, the the people in those specific professions are greater than like family medicine practitioners, holistic practitioners, internal medicine docs, So there totally is this direction about splintering off and being really technical and linear in our directions. So, um, you know, when you ask the second part of your question, um, how how can that, I answer it with a question, how can that be the complete answer to give our power away to one individual, to look for that one medication that will fix our entire body as a cosmology? that one spiritual pathway, you know, that's going to be perfect for everyone. I don't think so. I think there are many answers and many parts to this. 
Mm-hmm. Kirsten, you, you've had some experience in dialogue with Gigi about this more holistic, both physical and spiritual health, haven't you? Yes, I have. So I met Gigi in Wisconsin during my nomadic travels, and there was a center there, and she was teaching a beginner herbalist class, and it had been on my list of studies that I was about, I was investigating to find the right place to do it. And so I went and I took it while I, while I was in Wisconsin and I'm now in her master herbalist class. And there were a couple reasons why I really wanted to follow this path. And it, it speaks to what Gigi was saying. One, I have a daughter who's been chronically ill since she was young. And there has not been one doctor at all who has been able to support her and they continue to tell her to go get therapy. And I mean, take a young girl, 12, 13, 14, go get therapy because we can't diagnose your problems. You know, that really could put her into therapy. So that was, and we've spent, and you know, as a single parent, it almost bankrupted me. The other piece was when she finally found a naturopath in Boise, Idaho, he, he fixed it. He fixed it. Without all these super gadgets, expensive medical degrees, he healed her. He diagnosed that it was her gallbladder and she was having some issues and she had some stuff happening and she's slowly but surely recovering. Gigi, I'd love to know how you even got into this. Yeah, I'll talk about my path. But first I want to say what a fantastic mama and health advocate for your daughter, yourself and your family. There are different ways uh, to to deal with our healing, our our planetary and individual healing. And you are just looping in so many pieces of it. It isn't a a fast, quick fix. It isn't one magic pill. It isn't even one diagnosis. You know, this is really about um, an organic process through our lifetimes. So, you know, we, we have to work at it all the time. We can play with it too, but we have to work at it. So how did I, how did I start on this path? Boy, that is a, that's a hard question sometimes. I'm in my 60s now and I sit back and think, wow, how did you, how did this happen? <laughs> you know, I think, sometimes I think that this is probably, some people say, was it past life, Gigi? And I said, maybe, that might be it, that might be it. But there are many influences. They're all very holistic from spending time with a great auntie who is a health food nut <laughs> and her farm as a little girl. And I was just you know, crazy in love with that idea. I love be- playing at the farm and being out in nature. Um, uh, I'm also a Navy brat. I spent time by large bodies of water. So water protection is a huge issue in my life, not just the plant world. And um, then, you know, just meandering, meandering. I worked in social work and the anti-violence field uh, locally and globally, I'll just say that. And at one point got very burned out in that because of systems, institutional barriers that did not seem to be working for people who are homeless, violated, experiencing trauma, adults and kids. And so I decided that prevention medicine was definitely what I wanted to do. So then I went back to school in Boulder, Colorado, and you know, a lot of things sprung forth from there, just one thing after another, you know, amazing people, landscapes, dreams, <laughs> you know, it could be a whole book talking about our journeys and why we ended up where we ended up. But now I feel like I'm in the, I, I am a grandmother. I feel like I'm 
you know, have become one of those grandmothers in the natural medicine and botanical medicine worlds as well. And it's our time. It's our time to really, as wise elders, mm -hmm. to be coming forth and speaking about what we want to see happen, some of the mistakes that we've made and, you know, how to carry on from here, especially now, 2021. There's no waiting. No, now is the time. Yeah. So Gigi, I'm curious, as people might meet you and come to you mm -hmm. and consult with you, what are some of the fundamental first questions that oh, you begin wow. to ask to kick off that dialogue? So, <laughs> yeah. you know, let's imagine one of our listeners says, hey, it's nice to meet you. You've yeah. told us a little about yourself. What do you want to know about me? You know, mm -hmm. what are those questions mm -hmm. that you use to learn where they're coming from? Yeah, well, I still see some patients and clients, and but my primary work now is training other people to be yes. clinicians. Yes. So on bo in both ways, what, what I first want to know, just very simply, I want to meet and greet on a heartfelt level. That's the most important thing. So that it isn't feeling like there's a hierarchy. You know, this, there really is a lot to this, the shift that we're doing in natural medicine. And then, you know, once, in, once we have that rapport and trust moving along in a session, you know, just basic questions like, Really, you know, how are you feeling? Why do you, why, why come see me? What's going on? What's happening with you? But when you ask that question, Mark, I mean, there are a lot of their body systems questions that I ask about. There's a tremendous amount of information that we gather in what would be a client or patient intake. And I think that's what Kirsten was referring to about the forms, you know, what pronouns do you want me to, what pronoun do you um, want me to use when we're speaking in our session? But one of the questions that is the most important to me, and it, I heard it, Mark, when you asked, was this one. It's a favorite of mine that I often ask people. What truly feeds and nourishes your soul? What truly feeds or nourishes your soul? And I find when I ask that question, that gets, gets at so many emotional, physical, environmental, relationship, um, even uh, political <laughs> aspects of a person's life. You know, they'll be, they'll, they, they brighten up. People brighten and shine when they start talking about, I don't know, it can be lover, pet, traveling as a nomad, being a musician, writing in your journal, you know, being outside on the meandering nature medicine, medicine path. It can be so many things, but I really like to hone in on those aspects and our listeners and viewers. Um, I hope they write that question down mm -hmm. because when they come up with a little contemplative journaling, they will discover, ah, those are my medicines. Oh my gosh. Those are my personal medicines. So yeah, there's a lot of attending to physical health ailments, but underlying causal factors of disease or dis-ease or disorder or disharmony are these, all these reasons and mishaps and wrong directions that we've taken in our lives. So it's helping to realign. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I'm getting the sense that you're, well, to use the word, a sensing person. So just, you're not looking for the answer to that question. You're looking to the face, the body, you know, how they respond to that question, I'm assuming. Oh, I'm just smiling because I am so left brain, right brain. 
if, you know, if you were hanging out with me, you'd be like, oh, she's a list maker and more analytical than I thought, <laughs> you know, and, and looking at clinical studies. I mean, it's so I walk in both worlds and I'm also that mark. I teach something called clinical assessment skills. Mm -hmm. And that is, you know, really so weird. We're on this topic. I thought we might meander here today. Um, I really help both patients, clients, and students and clinician practitioners learn about the best ways that they navigate intuitively and in a sensing way in the world. And again, some people are super analytical, want things delivered and received in a really regimented manner in a medical setting or clinical setting, but some people want to talk in terms of patterns and relationships. Visual images, for example, of the kidneys or gallbladder. Um, so it really depends on who that person is. I, I like patterns and relationships. I operate that way too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and yeah. I love dreams. Lots, I, I lots of through. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's so interesting you bring up the sensing and relationship and empathy skills, because we've had people on our program all the way from practitioners like uh, you're describing, all the way to a chair of a department at Stanford Medical School. Yes. So, you know, and we've asked, can empathy be taught? Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking now in your training capacity, yes. you know, you're talking about these practitioner skills. And yes. if a skill is listening, you know, and responding and feeling how can you make sure that you ingrain and, and teach that too? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's an essential ingredient. And I do believe that right now we have some challenges with this during COVID with all of the remote learning um, because the, just the, the, the amount of time spent with a patient in a natural medicine setting, it's typically an hour and a half mm -hmm. on average in the United States, sometimes even longer. Now with telehealth, with um, Zoom calls, I mean, that amount of time is shortened. Um, as a naturopath, this might sound kind of weird and gross, but you know, we're, we're smelling the body, we're looking at the, examining the tongue, feeling pulse. There are all kinds of um, assessment skills that come into play. And also one of those is empathy. You know, you know like really the emitting of heartfelt energy. And it is a bit more difficult via Zoom and telehealth, you know, you, you can, I mean, we can maybe see one another's eyes and how we're emoting, but, you know, breath, all of, all of it impacts. So it is easier to help people along and facilitate those empathic growth skills in person, but I'm doing my best right now. Mm -hmm. um, I'm just finishing up the last edit of an article right now on a concept a phrase dubbed the exquisite empath. And it relates to trauma and crisis workers, healthcare workers, nurses, EMTs, people like all of us, teachers, um, even police officers, those who are helping individuals in crisis. And there is, it, the article I'm writing describes proven ways that we can help people with inner traits and develop skills to be more empathic in how we help one another. And they're real, pra they're, they're easy practical skills. So the exquisite empath is really a phrase that describes a person who's often in a really tough work situation, 
you know, if you, those visual images of people garbed and, and their face guards working in the ER with COVID patients right now, but, and we may see them in these tearful vignettes in media, news media stories, but the exquisite empath, there are those individuals we know that are going beyond into what is called post-traumatic growth phase, that they're actually feeling like I'm, I'm helping humanity heal. I'm serving a greater, greater purpose. I have greater, um, I, I have a, a larger calling than I did before. The patients and clients that I'm working with who are in crisis or physically ill or who have even died at my, you know, with me in the same room or in my arms, they've, they've shaped my spiritual world. They've, cha they've changed my worldview. Mm -hmm. So, you know, those are, and th that's just a bit of this piece of teaching empathy and compassion, but I'll, I'll tell you another, to underscore another piece, and this fits in with, you know, business leadership, if you're going into any of these professions, one of the other underscored key components of not only surviving in really tough professions like this that our world needs right now, um, but, you know, as we say, thriving doing well, being effective, loving the work and knowing what the purpose is. And it is self-awareness, hmm. self-awareness. Now I, you know, I would debate sometimes about that. It's like, well, in some of these war-torn settings there, I believe there are environment, environments, you know, from the larger political scheme to all seen to, um, workplaces like hospitals or mental health clinics or homeless shelters where people don't, workers and folks that are being served don't even have the capacity, no spaciousness, you know, no room to breathe, mm -hmm. think. It's just all react, react, react. But those environments where people have a little more spaciousness or they do afterwards when they go home or in a break together when they're debriefing, they're more apt to be able to develop that self-awareness. And those are the leaders. Those are the workers. They're the people who are making it right now. They're helping us all spiritually evolve to another place. So those are truly aspects that I believe in training, you know, and working with people who are going on to work in some pretty tough clinical settings. Yes. What's really coming to the forefront, and this is kind of to Mark and to you, Gigi, is even with the other guests that we're speaking to, it's no longer just enough to have a personal passion. People are really being called to things so much bigger and yeah. greater because that's what our world needs, right? Yes. If we're going to transcend our current situation. People are being called intuitively, spiritually, or, you know, internal drive, whatever it is mm -hmm. to have a bigger soul purpose. It's not just about what's my soul purpose. It's what is the collective requirement and what is my, how does my soul purpose fit into aiding that collective. And that's really what I hear you saying is with that self-awareness, people can really propel into fulfilling a collective requirement. Oh yeah, Kirsten, absolutely. I mean, it, again, I use that word spaciousness, having spaciousness in life. I mean, that can even be five minutes or maybe it's five hours or maybe it is a 
solo self-retreat weekend, but wherever you can grab it and make it happen in your world so that there is contemplative time, time to journal, meditation practice, deep conversations like this with others whom you love and trust. And they're just, oh my goodness, silence. Enough silence, turning off the rest of the world enough to hear your higher soul or your higher higher power or nature, you know, plant, plant spirit medicines, whomever, your ancestors that walk before you, quiet enough to hear what they're asking of you. And that brings me back to uh, like April and May of 2020, when remember when we all really retracted, recoiled and we're, we were um, just like tucking ourselves away. And I was lucky enough to be at home where there's plenty of nature around me where I am today. And I would just take these walks outside and open myself up, open my arms. I mean, I, I have a pretty good head on my shoulders, a decent organizer. And I would just say, show me, <laughs> talk to me, universe. Mm -hmm. Tell me what you want me to do next. Even I know I have found myself, I, I happen to be in a six week, period where I've given myself time to really think newly, which means I have to disband the old thinking. But, you know, even as a political person, I'm going through this conversation about Facebook and Instagram, am I are my actions matching what I say, taking a look at all of these deeper commitments, are my feet aligned with what I say, right? And I think oh, yeah. I, I'm getting a sense and somehow you know, you and I talk about often, or, you know, the few conversations we've had, the energetics of the herbs, because in my shamanic practices, we bring in the energetics of these herbs, but they communicate with us. They have messages. They have our trees, our plants, our grass. It informs everything we do. And mm -hmm. yet we're so far removed from even listening to it because there's concrete everywhere. Yeah. So they have information to give us in what we're going to do next as well, which is fascinating to me. I love those concepts, Kirsten. <laughs> it's so beautiful to hear you talk about it. when you and, and the phrase, my deeper commitments. I think that's a fantastic question for everyone. You know, not those new year resolutions <laughs> that tend to be, you know, a little more ego, physical, you know, monetary driven, but you know, what are my deeper commitments to humanity and the planet? I always like to say, you know, healing the human tribal circle, like really on a large level, what does that mean? And I certainly think that other sentient beings, you know, from fungi to medicinal herbs and trees, the water bodies of water, we, we certainly, better be in council with all of them and quiet enough to hear what they're saying right now. So that, you know, that brings me to the ecological environmental piece of what I do. It's simply not about, all right, here, take this herb. Here's some echinacea to go, please. <laughs> and then it's then, At the know, echinacea drive-through. Right. When I had my very first clinic, I actually, it was decades ago and I had a little cartoon that was like that posted in the reception area. And I was hoping that was a message. <laughs> like, don't ask me for fast food herbs because it's not going to happen that way. <laughs> Darn. <laughs> you know, but it's so interesting as if we elevate to this idea of entelechy, that yeah. the environment and the, and the planet does have messages for us through 
herbs through the plants, trees, it's uh, rivers and oceans. How is it that we can connect better? I mean, oh, because yeah. certainly it's, those are elevating messages. I don't think anything in nature is telling us anything bad. So how do we stay open to that? Yeah, yeah well, th three things come to mind, first of all, one, one to revisit the word spaciousness. So creating spaciousness enough in life to hear those messages. The second, the silence, you know, being quiet, <laughs> being quiet enough on many levels. So I don't just mean stop the talking, but also here, like turn off monkey mind, which might, might require more of a meditative practice. And then three, the obvious, of course, would be be in nature, unplug from all of our devices and our you know, comfy little Netflix couches <laughs> and out we go. So those are the, the three primary, you know, ways of being out there. But then the next layer would be to, to listen, to end up in the relationship where it's transmit and receive, receive and transmit with vegetation, plants, um, plants, root allies. Then I think it's a matter of really knowing who you are and how you get or receive that information more readily than others. So again, for some people, it might be that you're very kinesthetic. You may have a stronger sense of heat or cold or feeling. So that person may walk around the edge of a lake or tread on a trail or pathway in a woodlot and feel that that person may get feelings inside their body that are from those other sentient beings. Another person, you know, really, truly could be an auditory intuitive. I believe, by the way, I believe we all have these capacities and some are just a little more finely tuned than others. Some people that you know, I'm not intuitive, I don't dream at all. It's like, yeah, you have many pathways <laughs> of intelligences and ways of connecting. But for, as I was saying about the auditor, auditory intuitive, you know, an example would be like Joan of Arc or Oh, Hildegard, she's the other that I wanted to mention, Hildegard de Bingen, that saint, you know, who somehow managed not to get burned at the stake. And, and she heard her, her paradigm, her cosmology was involved God. And so she said, I heard the voice of God who transmitted all of these musical compositions and messages about herbs and herbal formulations. I mean, she just knew these things came into her being. So she was a conduit. Um, so, you know, there's an example of a kinesthetic way to transmit, receive, and there's a, a, the auditory. Some people, you know, as I said early in the program are dreamers. They may actually have dreams about plants. There's some teaching that I do about that too. And I know in other shamanic medicine pathways, people are taught a little more about that. So those are just a few examples. And of course, another, probably the most common way that people approach the plants as sentient beings right now is they take them, they, they utilize them as medicines for their body. And I just want to say that's simply only one way. Mm -hmm. I was curious because my, yeah. my radar, my antenna picked up on this idea of a plant spirit ally. Yes. Just when you said that, I mean, any listener of our podcast who's made it over the past 50 episodes, right, Kirsten, knows that in somewhere in an episode, 
there's going to be a plant spirit ally question of, yes. of, of that ilk. Uh, I don't care if we're talking about the most technical business concept, so, but, but I would like to hear more about that because you're talking about being among nature and you know, ingesting it as plant medicine. But I'm really interested in that plant spirit ally kind of concept. Yeah, all of those sentient beings and the vegetative world, fungi world, they're all plant spirit medicines allies. I mean, there are buddies, there are partners, there are lovers, there are friends, there are community. They're part of our ecological community. So, you know, are they more sacred than a human being? No, I, you know, I really feel there's no hierarchy, but we're, but the thing is they've been so disregarded and wiped out different, you know, the white pines in this part of the area where I live were decimated. So, you know, I feel that plant spirit allies, um, some of them just at different points in time step forward and wanna be heard. <laughs> <laughs> they, that's, a, that's just what I want to say today. They want to be heard. And I was utilizing white pine as an example. I have a belief system that if a plant community or plant family was really decimated, that they almost do this underground communication that's very powerful and they rebirth themselves and they tend to have louder, more sacred voices and command a little more attention right now. And so that would be one. Another would be fungi. <laughs> the world of medicinal and psilocybin mushrooms, the, the realm of what we would call entheogen plants are of great interest to people at this point in time. You know, they've been like the forbidden um, plant spirit medicine realm, a shroud of secrecy around them, uh, lots of political, legal, illegal, you know, entrapments, things like that. And they're like, hey, wait a minute. Now that I'm promoting, you know, just like charge right out and do all of this, um, I think working with plants is a very, it's a discipline too, you know, if you're working with these plants. But plant spirit medicines, other examples would be, I say that there are allies that come forth during a time period to help humans and other beings for a time. And it could be simply for a season. I'll be very, very curious to see which plant communities emerge this spring as we're still in the COVID pandemic, which plants come forth in abundance to speak to us about, hey, look over here, look at me. I'm going like this, waving at you. I you want know, you it's to fascinating notice. you say that. I just, I think back to my grandmother's yard in Virginia and she lives on the West Virginia border. And she yeah. had uh, several, I mean, she had like 25 acres and I would take my walks. I was there every year. Yeah. And some years it was the pine that you saw like little babies. Some years it was the oak. You just never knew what was going to be born that mm -hmm. year. And each year it was different who was going to mm -hmm. be yes. born. So I, I never, it's interesting that you said it that way. And I do want to point out for our listeners just to kind of help bridge a little bit. The, the premise that Gigi is speaking to is that, you know, that premise of um, the physics in the quantum, everything is yeah. energy. Yeah. Everything is energy. Everything is alive. So therefore, if everything is, en is energy, then we all have the capacity to communicate. It's just a yeah. skill that humans 
have left behind. Yeah. Our indigenous folk knew this, yes. that everything was energy. And so they practiced it and it was taught. And it's in many cultures today, in China, in Japan, oh, yes. in India, in Africa. Mm. It's normal, <laughs> right? It it's normal. Is. It's it, in America yeah, that it it's weird. <laughs> yeah, and there are, you know, there are classes that some of us teach, um, spiritual pathways that people can engage in and books. I mean, books that people can pick up if they are, you know, like, what is this about? You know, how can I start communicating with plants? What are you talking about? <laughs> and, you know, one, one book that I, well, they aren't necessarily herbalism books. Um, they're these books that occupy edges. I'm really an edge person, you know, like sometimes I don't even want to be called a, you know, purist herbalist because I occupy all of these weird overlapping edges. And one of the books is, well, one, one that he wrote was called Spell of the Sensuous and Becoming Animal. His name is David Abram, who helps people start to understand, you know, that the forest is breathing, the home that you're living in, you know, the walls are alive, <laughs> the path that you're treading on, the water. Another um, author is pretty radical. And I think, you know, he's been spurned and, and shunned in some communities. But wow, I, I'm fascinated by his work. And he's Derek Jensen. And one of the books that he wrote was called A Language Older Than Words. A Language Older Than Words. Oh, I guess I'm on my book roll right now. And another that... <laughs> really impacted me, um, you know, that she really talks about trauma, like psychological human trauma, but how, how the West, especially Western culture has been a part of this larger level traumatizing ecologically, you know, from children to the, to the land. And she is Chalice Glendening and her, oh, I'll try to get the title right. I'm in recovery from Western civilization. I am chalice. <laughs> I need that book. <laughs> I am chalice. I'm in recovery from Western civilization. And, you know, I could go on, but those are, I think they're really important authors, Terry Tempest Williams. I mean, they're, they're important authors to be following right now. They're naturalists. They've been out on the land and they're people who are, oh, Starhawk too. They're people who are advocates for the other sentient beings. You know, they try to provide translated tools for us to hear the forest, hear Lake Superior, hear the Mississippi River. That's so good. I love that that the forest is breathing, you know, things like too. things like that. Yeah. Well, Gigi Staffney has been our guest. What a terrific conversation. You've really enlightened us in so many areas and given us, well, from the simple, hey, take a walk, you know, be <laughs> silent and listen. Boy, that, that prescription alone could help most of us. But some of these other things that we can explore in the books that you've just referenced. Gigi, how could we connect with you? How could our listeners learn more about you and your work? Yeah, I'm out there in a few places, but probably the easiest place to connect would be to just Google um, Green Wisdom School of Natural and Botanical Medicine. And interestingly, there's another green wisdom. She's not me. I'd like to give a pitch about Julie, Julie James. 
in Long Beach, just north of Los Angeles area. Julie, I love, we both, we didn't talk about Herbalist Without Borders International today, but I'm former director of that. And she's been a part of that group for quite a while. So if you go to other Green Wisdom, you'll get somebody else really awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for sharing that. Well, Kirsten, what a, what a great conversation, right? I mean, always a way always. to, I love Gigi that you say, take us to the edges. You know, uh, let's get those overlaps because, yes. uh, boy, it's easy to stay within our own little circle and uh, not explore the edges. And yeah. it's good to be prompted and encouraged to do that. Mm -hmm. So thank you. Thank you, Kirsten and Mark. What a what a delight. Enjoy, yeah. enjoy some you, nature Gigi. this afternoon. That's what I plan to do. I, Kirsten always laughs at me, but I act on this stuff. If yeah. somebody gives me <laughs> something she, to he do. Does. You know? He does. I can't keep up. I'm not a performer yeah. next to Mark. Okay? Look, I, I may do it for seven days, but I'm just trying to create new and better habits. But uh, <laughs> I'm going out for a walk right now at your suggestion. Well, our guest has been Gigi Staffney. She's the executive director of the Green Wisdom School of Natural and Botanical medicine. And she also promotes other environmental causes. And as she mentions, there's some other great resources, you know, like Herbalist Without Borders. And so we're going to be sure to connect and follow you, Gigi. So thanks again for being with us. Thanks, you too. Have a great day. Kirsten, yeah. people want to continue the conversation. You're hosting some conversations on another Zoom call. Tell us a little bit about that. I have a bi-weekly conversation. It's called Soul Tea and Conversations, and they are deepening conversations for people to journey in to get to know themselves better in a peer-to-peer -peer situation, creating community. It is a free platform. People can pop in whenever they want to. You can find it on my website, pureintellikey.com. And again, it really is to allow you to begin to expand community with like-souled people so you're in the same conversation because you really do need other people to support your journey and continue moving. And we are moving out of an I into a we consciousness. So having that community will make a difference in the effectuation of realizing your potential. Wow, that's wonderful. So listeners, I encourage you to sign up for a soul tea conversation with Kirsten. So come back again for our next episode of IntelliKey Leadership Stories. I'm Mark Stenson for Kirsten Gouldy. And we'll talk to you next time. You've been listening to IntelliKey Leadership Stories. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and many more. On behalf of your hosts, Kirsten Gouldy and Mark Stinson, thanks for listening to IntelliKey Leadership Stories.